Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 4th of April. After a steady decline over the past few months, India is once again witnessing a sharp surge in COVID cases. Over 93,000 COVID-19 cases were registered in the country in the last 24 hours, which is the highest single-day spike since mid-September last year. The overall COVID tally now stands at over 1 crore 24 lakh. More than 500 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the last 24 hours and the total death toll stands at over 1,64,000. The total number of vaccine doses administered in the country so far crossed 7.44 crore yesterday. The third phase of the country's vaccination drive kicked off on April 1st, which will cover people aged 45 and above. The central government said yesterday that healthcare and other frontline workers can no longer register themselves on the government portal for getting coronavirus vaccines. The first phase of the vaccination drive, which began on January 16th, was limited to healthcare and frontline workers. Health Secretary Rajesh Bhushan wrote to all states and union territories in this regard. He pointed out that some frontline workers had been found signing up for the vaccination under the third phase. Amid the alarming rise in cases, Maharashtra Chief Minister Udhav Thakre said last evening that the state government was considering diverting all industrial-use oxygen supply for medical use. The state reported close to 50,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. Last week, the state's health department had directed manufacturers to supply 80% of oxygen for medical use and balance the 20% for industrial purposes until June 30. As Bihar witnesses a fresh surge in COVID cases, reporting more than 800 cases yesterday, the state government has ordered the closure of all schools, colleges and other educational institutions in the state until April 11. Meanwhile, the Uttarakhand government yesterday said that it will recognise journalists as frontline workers and offer them vaccinations, irrespective of their age. In our story of the week this time, we talk about some key developments in states where assembly elections are underway. From the IT department raiding the DMK chief's skin in Tamil Nadu to clashes in West Bengal's Nandigram. We shall come back to this later in the episode. Nearly 22 security personnel were killed after a gun battle between security forces and suspected Maoists in Chhattisgarh's Bijapur yesterday, the Indian Express reported. Five security personnel were killed and 30 others were injured. The Bijapur superintendent of police said that 17 bodies were recovered this morning. The clash broke out when a joint team of security forces with over 2,000 personnel was out on an anti-Maoist operation. Two alleged Maoists were also killed during the gunfight. Chhattisgarh CM Bhupesh Bhagel said that seven personnel who were admitted at a hospital in Raipur are now out of danger. The chief minister also spoke to Home Minister Amit Shah to take stock of the situation. The incident comes after five security personnel were killed and 14 others injured on March 23rd in the state's Narayanpur district after suspected Maoists allegedly attacked their bus with explosives. A special task force in Uttar Pradesh yesterday filed a 500-page charge sheet against Kerala-based journalist Siddiq Kappan and seven others. The police have accused Kappan and others of sedition and conspiring to incite caste violence in Hathras district last year. The Hindu reported that they have been accused of receiving funds of about 80 lakhs from financial institutions in Doha and Muscat. The police's task force said that incriminating evidence was recovered from the laptops and mobile phones of the accused. Kappan was arrested last October while on his way to report on the gang rape and death of a Dalit woman in Hathras. He was later booked under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act and charges of sedition. Three other men travelling in the car with Kappan were also booked and arrested for similar offences. 
The police claim that Kappan and others are a part of the Popular Front of India. The chart sheet filed in a Mathura court yesterday also names Atikur Rahman, Masood Ahmad, Rauf Sharif, Ansad Badruddin, Firoz Khan, Alam and Danish, who the police say are also part of the PFI. A 23-year-old Muslim man in Karnataka was allegedly beaten and stabbed by Bajrangdal members on a bus. The man was reportedly targeted for travelling with a woman from a different religion. Four people have been arrested in connection with the incident. According to the police, the woman was travelling to Bengaluru in search of a job and had asked the man, who was her friend, to accompany her. The police commissioner of Mangaluru City told the New Indian Express, and I quote, The incident occurred around 9.30pm when a group of Badrangdal members stopped the bus in which the man and the woman were travelling and assaulted the man. He was also stabbed by them, unquote. The News Minute reported, quoting an unidentified police official, that the group of men were agitated because the man and woman were from different communities. The official added that the group raised allegations about love jihad. The police commissioner told the New Indian Express that four such incidents had taken place in the last three months and added that more police personnel were being deployed at public places to stop such incidents. The accused have been booked under charges of attempt to murder. Love Jihad is a conspiracy theory floated by Hindu outfits alleging that Muslim men seduce Hindu women with the aim of converting them to Islam. Multiple BJP-governed states such as Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh, Haryana, Uttarakhand and more recently Gujarat have come up with their own versions of laws and bills to counter the bogey of Love Jihad. News Laundry has reported consistently on how this Hindutva bogey is used to target couples. Last month, News Laundry's Akansha Kumar analysed a series of complaints in Uttar Pradesh filed under the Love Jihad law. She found multiple irregularities in how the law is being used. You can find Akansha's detailed report on newslaundry.com titled Kanpur SIT's inquiry laid the ground for UP's Love Jihad law, but it's riddled with inconsistencies. While you're there, I also urge you to read the other ground reports that are a part of our NL Sena project titled Love Jihad, Myth vs. Reality This election week was filled with major developments in states of Tamil Nadu, West Bengal and Assam from allegations of vote rigging to income tax and ED raids and violence. In Tamil Nadu, which will go to the polls on Tuesday, the income tax department raided the homes of those associated with DMK chief MK Stalin, including his daughter Senthamarai and son-in-law Sabarisan. According to NDTV, 28 premises in Chennai, Coimbatore and Karur were covered under the raids, which began on 8am on Friday and are still underway. The Income Tax Department has said that they found incriminating evidence of tax evasion, but no cash has been recovered so far. The DMK said that the raids are politically motivated. Stalin said that these intimidating acts might work for the governing AIDMK, which is in alliance with the BJP, but it would not scare his party. He also cited being jailed for six months during the emergency. The DMK also wrote to the Chief Election Commissioner Sunil Arora and the Chief Electoral Officer in Tamil Nadu alleging that the centre was using the IT department as a quote-unquote sword and pawn. In Assam, the Election Commission on Friday suspended four officials after an electronic voting machine used for the second phase of polling was found in a car belonging to a BJP leader. It also ordered re-polling at the polling station in Ratabhari constituency where the EVM was used. A video of the EVM being transported in a white jeep was tweeted by journalist Atanu Bhuyan and went viral on Twitter. A man outside the video's frame was heard saying that the car belongs to Krishnendu Paul, a BJP legislator from Patharkandi. 
This news sparked violence in Barrack Valley where stones were pelted on Paul's car. A police superintendent was injured in the violence and the police fired blank rounds to disperse the protesters. Later on Friday, the election commission claimed that polling officials discovered who the owner of the car was only after local residents intervened and told them. The poll body drew flak from opposition leaders, journalists and others on social media. Coming to West Bengal, the situation in Nandigram constituency was tense this week after clashes erupted between BJP and TMC workers after allegations of vote rigging. In Nandigram, TMC chief and incumbent chief minister Mamta Banerjee is pitted against Suvendu Adhikari, a former TMC leader who defected to the BJP in December. The second phase of polling on the 1st of April witnessed a war of words between the two parties. Following allegations that the BJP was capturing boots and rigging votes, Banerjee visited Nandigram's Boyal area and claimed that TMC polling agents were not allowed inside the booth. Some people, reportedly BJP supporters, began shouting slogans of Jai Shri Ram. Soon after, TMC supporters gathered at the spot and clashed with the alleged BJP workers. Banerjee herself was stranded inside a polling booth for more than 2 hours. On the same day, her party filed 63 complaints with the election commission, alleging vote rigging and accusing the poll body of inaction. The BJP in turn approached the EC, seeking action against Banerjee in connection with the clashes. A delegation of BJP ministers met election commission officials in Delhi on Friday. They claimed that voting had been peaceful until Banerjee arrived and accused her of holding press conferences from inside the booth while her supporters pelted stones. Suvendu Adhikari said that she was quote-unquote doing drama to stall the polling process. Yesterday, however, the EC dismissed the TMC's complaint and said that claims against the BJP were factually inaccurate. The commission also ruled out reports of violence and intimidation of voters during the day of the poll. While all this unfolded in Nandigram, News Laundry's team was the first to reach the spot in Boyal, where Manisha Pandey, Meghnad S and Parikshit Sanyal pieced together what happened. The root of the chaos lay in the allegations that the TMC's polling agent was Muslim, while the booth was in a Hindu-majority area. Manisha also reported on this Hindu-Muslim divide in Nandigram and how Muslim voters might be unhappy with the TMC but unable to vote for the BJP. To know more, check out her detailed report on newslaundry.com titled Complacent TMC Communal BJP. Nandigram's Muslims have no margin of error. At News Laundry, we might be a small team, but we are working round the clock to bring you stories from the ground. We report to bring you voices of the voters and not for clicks or TRPs. And we can do this because we are not funded by the government or private corporations, but we rely solely on subscribers who pay to keep news free. So, if you want to support journalism that does not bow down to the powers that be, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. Lowest subscription starts at just 300 rupees per month. Now for some news from the world of entertainment. A short film made by a Gujarat-based director has been shortlisted to be showcased at the Cannes Film Festival in France, scheduled to take place in July. Called The Lockdown, writer-director Abhishek Galchar's Hindi film is based on the situation of a poor family during last year's nationwide lockdown to contain the spread of COVID. The Indian Express reported that Galshar aimed to highlight the problems faced by middle-class and low-income groups during the lockdown. The movie has already bagged the Best Short Film Award at both Berlin Flash Film Awards and the Gold Movie Awards. It stars Neetu Tanwar, Om Prakash Prajapati and Pihu Binjani. Now for some international updates. 
an Israeli hacker has said that private details of 500 million Facebook users are available on a hacking website virtually free of cost. According to Business Insider, the database contains information from 106 countries including phone numbers, Facebook IDs, full names, locations, birth dates and email IDs. Alon Gal, co-founder of the Israeli cybercrime intelligence firm Hudson Rock, said that the database appears to be the same set of Facebook-linked telephone numbers that have been circulating in hacking circles since January. The existence of this data was first reported by tech publication Motherboard. Gal said yesterday that he had verified the authenticity of at least some of the data by comparing it against phone numbers of people he knows. Some journalists have also said that they were able to match known phone numbers to the details in the dataset. Reuters reported that the database was being offered for just a few euros worth of digital credit on a well-known website for rookie hackers. In a statement, Facebook said that the data was quote-unquote very old and related to an issue that it had fixed in 2019. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.